how should I pray? And we did the second half of how should I pray? And we talked about asking for your daily needs, acknowledge your sins, forgive those who have sinned against you, pray for spiritual protection and health, accept that God is in control and that He deserves all the glory. And this morning we'll be going on to why does it seem that some prayers do not get answered? Why does it not seem that some prayers do not get answered? So before we open up in our first verse, we'll open up in a word of prayer. We go ahead and go guide in prayer, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful morning you've given us, Lord, and for giving us the heavenly mercies. May the last Lord come here, Lord, and come and get together, Lord, for Sunday school, Lord. Help me deal with us, Lord. Need. Now I know for me personally, if I take an example 
uh, me, I, I, I'm really into sports and I'm really into boxing. And I remember one time when we were still having our services in, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, it's also a Presbyterian venue, but we we're having our, our, our church service in uh, this, this, uh, this church building venue closer to uh, Adrian's old house. And I remember we had our church service and then back then we didn't uh, have youth. Uh, during that time, so I, I went back home, and on that day, the thing with boxing is all of the boxing fights on Saturday for everyone. It's on Saturday. The only thing is, we live in New Zealand, and New Zealand is one day ahead, so all the boxing fights are on Sunday for me. And then I remember there was an exhibition match, it was Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Uh, if you don't join, uh, Roy Jones Jr. is my, one of my favorite fighters, and of course, Mike Tyson is a legend. Now I'm only 18, so I've never seen them fight live. I thought this is my chance to, you know, see these legends and see them, you know, fight live, not just on highlights on YouTube. So I went back home and I loaded up the fight and I was watching with my dad. I thought, oh yeah, this is nice. You, know, you get to be part of history. You're never gonna see my Tyson or Jones Jr. fight ever again. I remember the fight went on, and the thing of boxing fights is there's never just one fight. You have, you know, the undercard and this person, you know, all those new amateur fighters and they come, and then there's the main event. The thing is, when the main event came, the fight is going on, and it's getting closer to, to 6.30. Uh, I was watching the time, uh, yeah. oh, if we drive fast enough, we can get it. It's like 6.25, and then around like 6.25 like or 6.30, and then the fight finally finished, I was like, okay, now I can go to, we'll go to church now. Me and my dad went to church. And uh, we got there, and obviously we're already late, we're late by a while, the stretch number's already finished. And the thing is, it wasn't Pastor preaching, it was um, a guest speaker, Pastor... Who's the pastor in Wellington? No, pastor Castro. And pastor Castro's preaching, and he's already started preaching, and I go sit down, go sit next to Adrian, and as I sit down, what, is, what does the pastor say as soon as I sit down? Always make sure that as Christians, you're here to church early. <laughs> and that's really, as I, uh, you know, what is that timing? You know, that was the Holy Spirit. See what I did, I, I decided to exalt my, my wants above God's need. God already had a perfect will, I already know that it's, it's God's will for me to be in church. But I decided to put my, my wants, my desires over it, and look what happened, I arrived to, to church late. And of course God already knew, as, as soon as I sat down, don't come to church late, especially not for sports. And the thing with Pastor Castro, Pastor Castro, I'm pretty sure he's talking about basketball, because he's Filipino. The thing in, in my mind is like, ah. Oh, this guy watching me, you know, watch the fight or something. I don't know. As soon as I sit down and he says, you know, if you don't, don't, you know, come to ch uh, church late, even if it means you know, missing sport. Oh, that's different. The Holy Spirit talking to me. Yeah. You know, uh, hopefully now then, even the reason I bring that up, I reminded of it because today there's a boxing match. <laughs> it's at 11 o'clock, so, you know, praise God there's no youth program. Nah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we, we, we ought not to, to have our, our desires go above what God has for us in our, in our life. If there's a need that God has for you, if there's a commandment that God has and you know it's His will, when you pray, do not pray with your wants above it. Do not exalt your wants above God's needs. So do not ask selfishly in your prayer. <clears throat> Another example, how do we see this in, when it comes to prayer? When it comes to prayer, ask me selfishly, if you would remember back to... Uh, Brother Carl's message, uh, evening service, he mentioned the example of the two dogs. 
And if you remember the example, the two dogs, there's the dog that's mean, there's a mean dog, the good dog, oh no, the mean dog, the evil dog, and then on the other side you have the, the good dog. So there's a bad, bad dog and good dog. And what did Brother Carl say? He said, you know, if both dogs were to fight, which one was to win? Whichever one you feed the most. Now when it comes to selfish prayer, the way we can recognize it is selfish prayer is asking God for food and then feeding it to the, the bad dog. That's what selfish prayer is. You're asking, you're coming to God, you, you come boldly to His throne, and you come to Him, and then when you bow your head and close your eyes in prayer, your prayer is not for the spiritual purposes. It's for the, the carnal. And that's what selfish prayer is. You're going to God, and God is a person who, who feeds you. You're going to, to God to talk, but when you finally eventually come to God in prayer, you're asking Him to feed the bad dog, the, God, uh, the, the dog that is against Him. That's how you can recognize that your prayer is selfish. <clears throat> Secondly, here we have by asking pridefully. Why does it seem our prayers do not get answered? Because we are asking pridefully. If you turn with me, Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. Proverbs 11.2, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. If you turn with me, James chapter 4 verse 6, James chapter 4 verse 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble, the humble. When we come to God, we ought to ask, not pridefully. Do not be prideful when we we come to the Lord. And an example of this in the Bible, as you see, is we go back to the Pharisee, as we discussed in last week. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. <clears throat> Here we see again, as we saw last week, the Pharisee, the example of the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed, thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice, twice in the week and give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 13, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So you see this Pharisee, this Pharisee, when he's praying, he's not praying for sake of communication. He's not praying for sake of uh, getting wisdom from God. He's not praying for sake of getting near to God. He's just say, uh, praying for the sake of pride. Because of pride. If you look at this, you know, an example for me. How do you recognize that you're, uh, perhaps, how do you recognize pride in your life, or how do you recognize pride in your in your prayer? Uh, if, uh, if you know, I have a younger brother named Gisana, and I think yeah, he just came in. So Gisana, 
you know, he, he likes to think he's David Attenborough. He was watching these, you know, animal documentaries and the whale. And, and he, he watches all this, you know, these, these things about animals. And a lot of times he'll come up to me, perhaps in the car or maybe just at home. And he's always asking me questions. Levy, did you, do you know what this is? Or do you know, you know, this animal does this? Do you know this animal does this? And I'll say, oh, I don't know. And, and sometimes he'll you know, tell me, oh, it's this. And a lot of times, you know, so I remember one time, he asked me a question, and the question was, Olivi, do you know what the biggest animal is? And the thing is, I already know the biggest animal, we all, we all know that it's the, it's the blue whale. But just because, you know, I'm a loving and kind brother, as always, you know, I, I just fake, I just say, oh, I, I don't know. Because I want him to, to tell me. Because I'm, I'm just faking, I already know the answer, but I just want him to, you know, I, I, I want the, I, I just go with the, you know, the flow. Just go with the fun, let him, let him have the answer. Because you know, I'm, I'm always you know the kindest brother in the family, and you know I, he asks me and he comes up to me and you know, after watching as David Attenborough comes in, oh Levi, do you know what the the biggest animal is on Earth? And I look at him and I was like, oh, I'm I don't know Gisona. And then when I say, oh I don't know, you know what he says to me? He looks at me and he a side eye. Yeah. You don't even know. <laughs> You don't know the biggest, how old are you? You don't even know the biggest, uh, the, the biggest animal on earth. How do you not know? I was like, I, I, I know, I'm just wanting to, to help you. So, he, oh, so, so you see that he, he asked me the question, but he's not looking for any wisdom from me. He's not looking to get closer to me. Why did he ask the question? Because I'll tell you what, after he said all of that, he said, it's a blue whale lady. And he looked and said, how do you not know? He, the only reason he asked me is to show me that he knows. And when it comes to, to God, and when it comes to the Pharisee, this is what the Pharisee does. He's not talking to God, asking for wisdom. He's talking to God to let God know that he knows something. You know, he, he thinks highly of himself. If you see, look, if we go back to, to the Pharisee's prayer, I thank thee that I'm not as other men. He's not looking for wisdom. He's saying, he's going to God saying, God, look at me. I'm not like these guys. We look at the, his next prayer. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Once again, we see him. He's not asking for any wisdom. He's not looking to get closer to God. He's not looking to communicate with God. He's asking God the question just to put himself up. He's talking to God to exalt him himself. Like his son, you know, he's, He's asking me the question, just to let, just to show, show me that he knows something. If we look at, uh, if we turn to the next verse, Galatians chapter six, verse three. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And when we come to God, we have to realize, in comparison to God, we're nothing. What is the verse? What What does God describe our righteousness as? Filthy rags. So when we come to God in prayer. And pride, the thing is, he looks at us and we're nothing. And if we come to him thinking we're, we're you know, we're all, uh, you know, holier than thou, we're, you know, we're, we've reached this pinnacle of maturity, this pinnacle and perfection as a saint, what does it say there? He deceiveth himself. And there's no benefit to us if we come to God thinking we are bigger than we are. So we ought to come to God with no pride. We have to humble ourselves, come to God in humility. It doesn't matter who it is, you know, out of us in the church. It doesn't matter if it's us, <coughs> Pastor Adrian, 
me, Matt, or anyone, when we come to God, it doesn't matter our title in the church, we come to Him humbly. We can't come to God in pride. We just deceive ourselves. We block our own blessings. Yep. <clears throat> Next here we have, this is a point that I didn't even know until I read the material. But the next point is, why does it seem our prayers are not answered? By not having a proper relationship with your spouse. Now obviously, you know, you're looking at me, well, who's this kid who just came out of high school going to lecture me about my marriage? You know, I, I'm not married, I'm not, you know, I'm only 18, so just bear with me. If you know, if I say something, and then, you know, you and your spouse can just work it out, you know? So, this verse, it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. I didn't even know that was a thing until I, until I read the verse. So, and this verse specifically is talking about husbands honoring your wives, or else your prayers are hindered. So this is the perfect time. I didn't hear any amen from the wives. Obviously, you guys, you know, this is the time to take advantage. Boxing day is two days. This is when you're supposed to say amen so your husband can go buy you present. So I heard no, I heard no amen from the wives. So husbands, you can just relax. No, no presents. Just get your son's presents. The second, second born son. So here we see, by not having a proper relationship. Now, obviously, I'm not married. I just came out of high school, so I don't have the same uh, relation to perhaps the older guys when it comes to this verse. So I was thinking. How am I supposed to explain the verse? How am I supposed to explain the point? Because also, also the thing is, in the material, it usually gives you the verse, like this verse right here. And it'll give you maybe a sentence, just so you know, expand the, you know, to help you understand the verse. But here, it just gave me the point in the verse. So I was to, you know, really think and pray about this verse. And it reminds, uh, God put the, this moment in the Bible into my head. If we turn to... <clears throat> We turn to John chapter 20, verse 26 to 29. John 20, John chapter 20, verse 26 to 29. John 20, verse 26 to 29. Before I read this, I'll just give you the context so we all know because it's a bit of a long reading. So basically what's happening is, is Jesus Christ has already uh, rose from the grave and he's rose from the grave, you know, the stone is moved and Mary Magdalene is the first one to, to obviously see the Lord and he sees Jesus Christ and you know, at first she's weeping, she sees him and then from there, Mary goes to the disciples. She goes to the disciples and she goes to the disciples and she says, you know, oh, I saw Christ and, and, and the verse says, she told him all about what happened. So she's telling all the disciples, you know, I saw Christ and this happened and this happened. And, you know, he's risen. He's risen from the grave. And you got to keep in mind, at this time, what's the feeling with all the disciples? They're all, they're all sorrowful. They're all sad. They're depressed. Because they're thinking, you know, uh, we just followed this guy around for three years. And he just, you know, uh, you know we followed him. We followed him faithfully. And now he's, he's no longer with us. And all of a sudden, Mary comes. And, you know, she's got good news. He's back. Now, what's the problem with the, the disciples when Mary told the disciples? There's one issue. There was someone missing. Who's, who's missing from out of the disciples? It's Thomas. 
Now Thomas is missing when Mary is telling the disciples that Jesus came back. But the disciples, they go to Thomas. And they go to Thomas and they tell him, you know, Mary told us Jesus came back. And the thing is, uh, Jesus came and revealed himself to the disciples as well. So the, the disciples and Mary have already seen Jesus. And they, they, they confirm that he's risen again. And, you know, they, they're glad, they're happy. So they go tell Thomas. Now when they go tell Thomas, Thomas wasn't in the same room as them when Jesus came back. He was somewhere gone. And when they tell Thomas, what does Thomas say? He begins to doubt. He said, once I see Jesus with my own eyes, once I put my fingers through Jesus' hands, once I put my, my hand through his side where he was feared, then I'll believe that he is risen. Now we know the context, so we go to our verses. <clears throat> John chapter 20, verse 26 to 29. After eight days again, so after eight days from when Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, uh, then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, this verse is uh, it's, it works similar to to the the verse we read in First Peter three seven. Now, in First Peter three seven, it says, if the husbands don't honor their wives, or if your spouses don't honor each other, then your prayer is hindered. And I was wondering, you know, what's, what's the reasoning behind that one? What's the reasoning behind that? It doesn't say, you know, if, you know, your, if your relationship between you and, you know, your brother and sister is hindered. It specifically says the wife and husband, spouses. <clears throat> if we look at the situation of Thomas, Thomas only believed once he, once he saw. He only believed once he put his fingers through the hands of Jesus. He only believed once. He thrust Jesus aside. Now, that was the relationship between, between Jesus and Thomas. When it comes to you as a spouse, God is, perhaps God has blessed you with a wife, God, or God has blessed you with a husband. And the difference is, God has blessed you with a relationship with a person that you can see. You can touch them. You know that they're there, they're, they're physical. So when you have a dispute, when you have an argument, you can go to your, your spouse, and talk to them and they can talk back immediately because you can see them you can touch them now if your relationship with your spouse is not good if your relationship with your spouse you're always having disputes you're not always you know you're not in agreeableness what happens to your relationship with God now but if you have a dispute with your with your wife what do you do I'm asking you because I don't have a wife <laughs> what do you do you, you go talk to them you talk to them you converse why? Because they're there. You can, you, you can see them, they're there. Now, what if you don't? God has given you a blessing that is your wife or your husband. But with the blessing, there's a responsibility to be in proper relationship. And the thing is, He's blessed you with a wife, and you're supposed to be in agreeableness, and you can see them. If you're not, if you're not in agreeableness, God has blessed you with a relationship that you can see. How much the more is he going to need you to believe when it comes to a relationship that you can't see? And what's that relationship that you can't see? With God. 
You can see, if, if you've been disputing wife, you can see your wife, you can talk to her, she'll talk back straight away. But when it comes to God, we can't see God. We can't see God, you can't, you can't touch God. You can't go to, you know, God doesn't have a room in the bedroom, you go open the door and you can talk to, talk to God and God will talk back immediately. That's not how it works. So you need to have faith in your, in your spouse. Because you can see her, God has given you responsibility to be agreeable with her or him. Because only then, once you have been, you know, you've served your duty, responsibilities with the relationship that God has given you, that you can see, only then will you have proper relationship with the, you know, relationship that God has given you that you can't see. There's, there's no way that like Thomas, Thomas, he couldn't believe what he didn't see. There's no way that we can pray to God in good relationship, who we can't see, if we don't have relationship, a good relationship with people that we can't see. So we have to be in good relationship with our people, and the verse specifically is mentioned spouses. So, we have to have good relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can see them, God is present with us. We can see them. It should be easier for us. So that, it becomes more ordinary, it becomes more proper, uh, we can come to God who we can't see and have a good relationship with them. Our next point. Why does it seem my prayers are not answered? This, this point is, uh, is our last point, but it has two points within it. And I left it for last because it seems the most obvious. Now what's the thing in Christian life with obvious things? If something is obvious in our Christian life, a lot of times we just skip it. It's obvious. You don't give, you know, you don't give importance to it. And the last one is, by not asking. By not asking. Turn with me to Peter, oh sorry, James, chapter 4 verse 2, James chapter 4 verse 2, James chapter 4 verse 2, ye lust, and ye have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not, ye ask not, and there's two reasons this morning why? We're going to touch on why Christians don't ask. Why we don't ask. Number one. Why don't Christians ask? Because we belittle the issue. We belittle the issue. We turn with me. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, sometimes if you if you went to high school, you, you know, you're sitting in class, you're sitting with your, your group of friends and the teacher's teaching, and there's something that the teacher says and you don't understand. But the thing is, it's already it's already been gone, and you want to ask the question, but no one else is asking the question. And you don't want to be the one to ask a question because it makes you look embarrassed. It's like, oh, he's the only one who doesn't understand this. You know, that happens a lot. Me and my friends, maybe we were sitting in class and the teacher's going over something. And then she says something and then, you know, we, we don't really hear it or we don't really understand it. So we, we're supposed to ask straight away. But we don't. Why? Because if you ask, oh, look, this person didn't even, wasn't listening, this person doesn't understand. A lot of times we don't ask. To, you know, we're too embarrassed. But there's a quote, there's a quote we know. Uh, famous quote, the one who asks a question is a fool for a minute. Oh, sorry. 
The one who asks a question is a fool for a minute, but the one that does not ask is a fool for a lifetime. You have to ask. You have to ask. You have to humble yourself enough to the point where you know you don't feel embarrassed to ask, even for that that, that small issue that you think everyone else has got to solve. Yeah, no one else has an issue on this. But if you have that issue, don't belittle it because no one else has that issue as well. Give it to God. He says, pass all your cares upon Him. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. On belittling issues. Belittling issues, sometimes it doesn't just mean that, you know, you make it small. Belittling issues, oftentimes, it's, as a Christian, you don't feel that it's something that you need to pray for. You, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a normal life. You don't really pray for those things. If you remember, LJ, LJ, he, he left back to the Philippines quite a while ago. And he messaged me at like 1 a.m. last night. I think this guy forgets that there's time zones that exist. You know, he's listening to me at 1, 1 a.m. And he's like, oh. Uh, to give you context, before he left, on uh, the second last day, or uh, uh, like right before he left, uh, Tim is dropping me and LJ and my sisters off. I forgot which branch. But he's dropping us off, and then, of course, you know, as boys do, within like half an hour, 45 minutes, the conversation always goes to what? Working out. I don't know how. Even if you don't work out, if you're a boy, you somehow just comes into, into the conversation. And then LJ, you know, he talks to me, he's like, you know, when I come back from the Philippines, I'm gonna have, you know, a better physique. But, you know, we'll make a promise, me and you later. So when I come back, we both have better physiques. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so, that's the context. Now, last night, 1 a.m., he messaged me, oh, five, five months of hard work and dedication. And he sent me a picture and it says, you know, five months progress pic. And the thing is like, when, when the person sends you that, usually you send them, uh, you know, encouragement back. So I said, oh, well, you know, keep at it. Consistency is key. I say that as if, you know, I'm consistent at all. You know, I've gained weight, but there's been no weightlifting. You know, it's just rice, chicken every day. You know, praise God for I don't know, household. I don't know how people are vegetarian. I think, you know, Brother Ram was preaching about how to get over depression and fear for young girls. You know I'm depressed. One day I'll come in and I'm just eating salads. And you know Levi's depressed. Levi's depressed because he's turned vegetarian. That's how you know. And, he, you know, he sent me this pic. And he's like, oh, five months. I looked at it and I was like, five months? You know, that's quite a long, you know, time to be consistent. You know, obviously he's built up a habit. Obviously, he's supposed to have a lifestyle, we can be consistent. And you know, I replied to him, I was like, oh yeah, you know, that's really cool, you know, five months, that's like lots of dedication, lots of hard work, nice progress, bro. And then, I, you know, I mentioned, oh yeah, not gonna lie, you know, I haven't really been working out. And he's like, oh. And he, he messaged me something that, you know, really like, you know, uh, changed my perspective. And he messaged me, he was like, oh, you haven't really been like consistent? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't really been consistent, I just straight up have not worked out. Oh, you know, before I work out, I pray. I want you to, if if, uh, if you've ever worked out in your life, doesn't matter just one day, two days. If you ever worked out in your life, can you put your hands up? Yeah. Don't need to be shy. Yeah. But keep them high. But keep them high. Don't be shy. Okay, keep that. I feel like you guys are lying, especially the Bella Vista ones, because <laughs> if you go to the Abans household, every time I come for a choir each week, the garage. Each day looks more and more like city fitness. If you go into the garage, it's just all, you know, cardio workouts. So if you have 
If you've worked out before, just raise your hand. Oh, you guys are so shy. Okay, yeah. Now keep your hand raised if before your workout you prayed. You pray before your workout? Okay, so it's just me. Okay. I'm just preaching to myself. Now the thing is, I've never thought of praying before your workout. Not because I belittle it, but because I just didn't see it as something that needed prayer. And there's a lot of times when it comes to, to asking God something, belittling prayer doesn't mean lowering the importance. A lot of times we get away with belittling prayer because we just think, oh, that's normal. It's just, it's, you know, it's safe. You, you don't need prayer for that. You know, we take for granted things that, you know, we, that we, we don't really, you know, uh, that, we, that we sort of get used to. The air we breathe. We don't wake up in the morning and, you know, pray to God, you know, God, I pray that, you know, the air that we breathe is, you know, nice and clean. Why don't we pray that? It's not that we belittle it. It's that we think that we don't need to pray for it. It's something that, you know, so it's always going to come. We wake up tomorrow, the sun rises. We wake up tomorrow, the air is fresh. But these things that we take for granted, because we belittle the issue. If you belittle the issue, you're not going to ask. If we go back to the, the classroom example, say you're struggling with a, you know, an equation. You know, you're struggling with the equation, and you see everyone else is really, you know, they're already in, you know, doing good in the test. For example, if you're in, the, if you're in your exams, if you're in your exams and you're doing the exam, and usually you have three hours, three hours you do your exam. Say you're doing the exam, and then someone finishes in like 45 minutes. When you, when you see that, you gotta think two things. One, oh, they failed, they're just walking out. Or two, what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm the only one, everyone else is going, they already finished the exam. I'm the only one still doing my exam, something wrong. We start to, you know, think that we, you know, we belittle ourselves. That's not how we should be with God. If you have a problem, just go straight to God. You know, uh, Brother Ram, we talked about, uh, you know, therapy sessions in uh, Young Pro yesterday. About how if you have an issue, they just go straight to the therapist. The thing is, when, when do people go to, to therapists? When they, you know, have the big, you don't go to a therapist that, you know, gives more problem. You know, that's, that's not something worth going to a therapist for. And a lot of times we, we act the same way with God. There are certain things that we need in our lives, but we see it as not worth praying for. It's not worth praying for. It's not a big prayer. You know, it's, it's not the church building. You know, it's not safety and travel, uh, traveling on a plane. It's not my career. It's not my health. It's not something worth praying for. But if we go back to the first, uh, the first uh, verse that we read, what does it say that we have to give God? Some of our cares? Just the big ones. Just to bring prayers, give it to God. No, he says, cast all your cares to God. So belittling, belittling our issues stops us from asking. Do not belittle the issue, just give it to God. It's a small thing. It's not saying make the small things big. It's just saying give the small things to God. Give the big things to God, give the medium things to God, give everything to God. Secondly, here, belittling the issue stops us from asking. And next, belittling God. Belittling God stops us from asking. If you turn with me, Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18, 10 to 14. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. 
And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So as you see here, the, uh, this, uh, the recount of uh, Sarah and Abraham. So Abraham, he's promised uh, by the Lord that he will bear a son. You know that he will be uh, the father of many. Now the thing is, when he comes again, what has happened now? Abraham and Sarah are already old. They're already old. They're already, you know, they could have been grandpa, grandpa and you know, grandma by then. And then the Lord comes, and he's reminding them of the of his of his covenant with Abraham. And what does Sarah do? Within herself, she she laughs. Why did Sarah laugh? She belittled God. She didn't think God was able to deliver the promise because why? She's too old now. She's too old. The time has passed. And we do the same thing in our Christian lives. In our Christian lives, we might ask a prayer. We pray for weeks. Now we pray for months. Now we pray for years. And after a while, we, you know, we change our prayer. Why, why, why did we change our prayer? It's out of our due date. You know, uh, I don't think God can deliver anymore. You know, time's passed. You know, uh, the example that pastors always give is when the person is asking for a, for a spouse, you know, they pray, Lord, give me Calvin Klein model. And, you know, they're praying and they're praying for months. Give me this model, you know, six foot five, you know, good looks, you know, six pack, ten pack, twelve pack. And then they're praying for a couple months. You know, God doesn't give them the Calvin Klein model. Oh, next year, God, you know, give me the warehouse model. The one you see, you know, when you walk into the warehouse and before the doors open. Just give me that guy, you know. He's not six foot five, just six foot two. Six foot two is good enough. You know, not twelve pack, just you know, four pack. You know, they're praying for years and years and they after a while, you know, they change their prayer. Lord, just give me, you know, I'm gonna go down Queen Street, I'm gonna open my eyes and point, give me that person. You know, what's happening? And then later on, Lord, you know, just just give me a guy. <laughs> what's happening to that person's prayer? starting to belittle God. What they're saying in their prayer, although they might not say it out loud, they're not saying, God, you know, you're so weak, you know, you don't have the power. They're not saying that, but you can see it in their prayer. You can see it in their prayer, the belittle God. They went from, you know, uh, aiming high, they went from, you know, Lord, give me this, to, uh, Lord, uh, you know, obviously you weren't able to give me this, so just, you know, give me the next step below. And the next step below and below and below. You know, until you married a rat. I don't know. You keep on belittling God because you don't have the patience to, so wait on the Lord. Do not belittle God's ability. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 20 to 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want you to focus on that part that says, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The next time you go to God in prayer, and you think God won't be able to deliver, you think God won't be able to provide a church building, you think that God won't be able to uh, provide stability in your family, your workplace, your schooling, your education, your career, I want you to come back to this verse. And I want you to focus on that part. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It doesn't matter how high you go with your prayer. It doesn't matter how you know great your prayer is. What does it say in that verse? God is able to do more than that. Whatever you ask, not even just whatever you ask, whatever you think, God is capable of that and more. So next time you begin to doubt God, uh, it's been like 20 years and this Calvin Klein model still hasn't come knocking on my doorstep. I want you to go back to that verse. What does that verse say? He give you better than Calvin Klein. He give you the, the Vogue model. You know, don't begin to lose your faith in, in God's ability. God is able to do what with man is possible. With God is, is possible. We sing that song. I love, you know, the, the children action songs. I like them because when, when it comes to children action songs, they just give it to you straight. Well, what's the song? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you and me. Is that the God that we pray to? Is that the God that we pray to? That's the God that we pray to. The same God that... You know, the walls of Jericho were able to fall down without anyone touching them. That's the God that we praise to. A lot of times we, we begin to belittle God, the further into the future we come as well. Why do we do that? We begin to look at the stories of old as just fairy tales. The further we go in life, a lot of times as Christians, and you see it in modern day Christians, in modern day church, you begin to, uh, some churches begin to see the testimony of old as just, metaphorical this is you know god didn't actually mean you know he didn't actually do that it's a metaphor you know for how we live our lives in that he didn't actually you know uh kill the uh, goliath with you know that one pebble he didn't actually tear down the walls of jericho a lot of times we begin to, to forget that that god is is real that's the same god we, we, we serve don't you know sometimes we we get so caught up you know we we read one parable and all of a sudden all these things are just metaphors. You know, how it's just a metaphor for our therapy session. That's not the Bible. The Bible is a historical recount. It's not just a story. It's not just a story. When Thomas came in and uh, God appeared unto them and he was alive again and he had those, those, uh, those holes in his hand. That's not just a metaphor yep. for God will always be there. It's not just a yep. metaphor. That's a recount. Yep. That's a recount. Uh, when God healed the sick, when God healed the blind, that's not a metaphor for open your eyes. Yep. See, that's, that actually happened. That's a miracle. Right. So when we, when we begin to belittle God, you got to remember, go back to, to the Bible. He was able to do all these things. He can do those things again. And He can do even, even more. More than we think and then we can ask. So, <clears throat> to recount, or to recap, why does it seem that 
Some prayers do not get answered. First you so by asking selfishly. We do not put our wants, our carnal wants over God's spiritual needs. And then we saw by, ha- by not having a proper relationship with your spouse. So of course you already have a relationship with someone you can't see in order for you to have a better relationship with the God that we cannot. And then we see them. Oh, sorry. And then lastly we saw by not asking. Do not belittle your issues. And then when it comes to your issues, do not belittle God. We'll close in a word of prayer. So I suppose I prayer. Lord, we thank you Lord, for uh, these words and these verses you've given us. Lord, we thank you Lord, for the lessons you've learned. Help us Lord to pray and to pray boldly, Lord. And Lord, help us Lord, to recognize and uh, examine our own lives, Lord. And if there be anything that hinders, Lord, our, our relationship with you in regards to prayer, Lord, we feel Lord, that you help us to realize that it's there, Lord, and help us Lord, to, to fix it, Lord, and to be right with you, Lord. And uh, help us Lord, that you know, uh, we, can, we can pray more effectively to you, Lord. For also the, the speakers to come, Lord, you, Brother uh, Andre, Lord, and Brother Adrian, Lord, for the rest of our services today, Lord. Give us our sins in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. All right, that's, that's morning tea break, so you guys can go get your tea coffee.